podcast, You Asked. We're here today with Pastor Chris, Pastor Eddie, and Drew McKay, our Director of Student Ministries, and I'm your host, Pastor Justin. Today we'll be discussing several questions over the last couple of weeks that are related to church discipline. Pastor Chris, we've talked about church discipline in the last two sermons. You want to kind of catch us up to speed on what's been said there before we dive into the specific questions. Yeah, the subject that we're going through 1 Corinthians, and so 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 have been the last two weeks. Um, we'll be dealing a little bit more this Sunday in the end of chapter 6, but um, the subject has been in, in the Corinthian church, there's two sides of it. One side is they are um, not dealing with issues um, in the church, uh, particularly there's a, a very specific situation of a guy who's basically sleeping with his mom, stepmom, and it's pretty disastrous, but the Corinthian culture was pretty disastrous as it was anyway. And so what Paul is addressing is that they were um, they were very much mirroring their culture as opposed to following the, uh, the, the things he had taught them, but also obviously the, what Jesus had taught in Matthew 18, um, that they should go to this person and deal with it. Uh, the, the, the text indicates that this is an ongoing thing. It's been going on for a very long time that uh, they have not dealt with. And so Paul admonishes them to, to remove him, basically, from the church in hopes that he would, he would come to repentance and restoration. Uh, matter of fact, I believe he does. And Corinthians 3 does, does deal with that issue that he does repent, and then they don't, they don't bring him back. Uh, they don't let him back in, and Paul has to admonish them to, like, no, let him back. He's repentant. So... Um, so anyways, that was kind of the, the goal of that. This past week, the opposite was happening. Instead of dealing with each other on the first step of church discipline and one-to-one one one and kind of working to kind of work out the inter, interpersonal conflicts and squash the things, they, they instead adopted their culture once again, which was we're going to sue each other and bring it into public opinion and bring it to the middle of the, of the marketplace. And uh, daily occurrence was ongoing interpersonal conflicts and lawsuits that were happening in court. It was a common event. So so on one side, they're not dealing with it, and the second side, they are dealing with it, but they're dealing with it in the wrong way. So that's been kind of the overall subject matter of, like, we as a church, we as a people of God need to follow the, the layout that Jesus laid out for us, which is one-on-one. Um, if a person is is, uh, is unable to, is not repented or responsive, we bring another person along with us. Maybe bring along a pastor or two with us, or however it may work. You know, again, prodding, pushing towards repentance and faith and trusting and following Jesus. And then, you know, we bring before the church and have the whole church kind of pursue them. And then at that point, if they're still unrepentant, is to remove them from the church, uh, again, in hopes of restoration. Yeah. And so the questions that we received are dealing with the specifics of when someone is in that process of church discipline, especially when it's gone through um, steps to steps three and four. What is that um, breaking of relationship look like with the person. I think First Corinthians five says you're not to associate with that person, and then Paul goes on to say don't even eat a meal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first question that we receive is the following: How are we to counsel those under church discipline if we are supposed to separate ourselves from them? Yeah, I think I think first of all, understanding when he talks about you should not have a, a should not eat with them is, and I talked about this in the sermon that. Culturally, that was a that was a significant social break, um, meaning that that was you can go through the New Testament and see Jesus' ministry, right? Almost everything happened at a meal or before a meal or after a meal. I mean, food was a very part a very part of their social um, relationships. If you ate a meal with someone, it was inviting them into your life, um, and so it was significant. It's not 
it's not quite the same today as it was back then. So we need to be careful we don't just draw the line and say that the issue wasn't, you know, sustenance on the table. That wasn't that wasn't the issue of like, okay, avoid that, but you guys can go, you know, you can go bowling though, or you can go play golf, or you can do that, but don't eat together. It's like no, the point was was association relationship and inviting them into your life. And so the point that what Paul is making is that I think in our application today is um, is simply there, there has to be a difference in that relationship. Things can't maintain, can't be the same and act like no big deal. Nothing's happening. Um, you know, it, it, we're, gonna, we're just going to avoid the elephant in the room and not, not deal with it. No, there, there needs to be ongoing, hey, if we get together, this is what we're, we're going to talk about this kind of thing. So I think when asking, asking a question about, you know, how do we counsel them, it's like, well, if they'll get together with you, that's wonderful. I mean, if, they, if they'll sit down with you, and talk about it, great. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily one of those like let's get together and talk about the Colts kind of thing and just act like nothing, you know, ever, happened. nothing ever happened. So are are you saying that if you get together with a person, it basically needs to be under the express direct um, desire to talk about them coming to repentance, and something beyond that is is not appropriate? Is that the way we should understand that? No, I don't think necessarily that's the case. I mean, it's not like this is the only issue on the table we're going to talk about. Or, but, I, but I think, again, it's, it needs to be the expectation of this relationship with this person that, hey, when we get together, like, we are going to bring this up. That doesn't mean this is the entirety of the conversation or this is the only thing we'll talk about. But I think it's just, again, it's, I, lo- I love this person too much to just ignore the mm-hmm. elephant in the room here that is you know, damaging them and damaging others. And so I want to seek reconciliation. So I'm, I'm at least going to make that effort. Doesn't mean I don't have other conversation or other talks. So, so just to be really practical, you would say then do invite them over for the Colts game. And as part of it, say, hey, I also want to talk about this thing while you're over. That's good. But you don't want to just keep going with the Colts and avoid the other. Right. Uh, I, mean, I think that's the whole point. The whole point is that I just don't want to be indifferent and act like this. there's nothing going on here. And I think that's the... That's the unloving thing to do. I think it was the whole point we tried to make in chapter five. Yeah. Like, it's unloving to allow this guy to continue this relationship and people in the church just ignore it and act like nothing's ever happening. He's still joining them for meals. They're still hanging around talking about the Isthmus games or whatever was going on in, you know, in Corinth at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, again, same kind of culture, right? So, I mean, they were talking about those things and then he's sitting there bringing his mom with them and they're holding hands and at the table, it's, I mean, it's kind of bizarre, but I mean, it's, and they're just like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Nothing going on. So, I mean, I, that's the point Paul's trying to make is like, no, you need to be engaged with this person. You need to pursue them. I don't think the, the church discipline process is in terms of like, we're just going to isolate and we're never going to have a conversation, never talk to them again. Um, yeah, I think the relationship shifts and changes, but um, there is a sense of we still need to pursue them and go after them. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the flip side of that. It's also unloving. It's unloving to attack them. And the only time, the only thing they ever hear from you is, you know, yeah. repent, you dirty, rotten sinner, da da da. You know, you we're trying to win them back to the love of Christ and showing them love by actually engaging them as a person and trying to let them see the error of their ways. That, you know, it's unloving to only go at it by, you know, just attacking them and, well, I'm not going to talk to you about the cult. I'm only going to talk to you about your sin. Like, that, that can be unloving. That pushes them away. We're trying to win them back to the love of Christ. How would that, 
how would that impact someone's church attendance? How would you want to... Is that individual welcome to attend on Sunday morning? Are they not welcome? Are they... Yeah, well, I'm going to take the Lord's table. Like, what? How, how yeah, does that, how does that do no not hard, associate apply yeah. to the corporate gathering? Yeah, there's no, there's no hard fast rule on that. I don't think. I mean, we can we can sit here and kick it around and disagree or if we want. But um, my personal take on that is that is that I think that's part of the inference of removing them from the church is that they're not there and they're not not welcome to be gathered with the church um, in that sense. So I would say no, especially yeah. communion. Yeah, especially communion. Especially communion. Yeah. But I think it's I think it goes for just when the church is gathered like that in public worship that that is that's part of what Paul's saying when he turns them over to Satan is the idea that, that they're going to be in the world system now they're not going to be in the church system as it were they're not going to be under the umbrella of the people of God and being you know taught the word of God it's hypocritical right to be sit there and take in the word of God sing songs and yet be in unrepentant sin and refusing to change like. That's inconsistent. With, I mean, it's different. You're an unbeliever. You're welcome to come because we want you to hear the gospel and you're welcome to be around that. But someone, there, there's a lot of verses in the New Testament that deal with the so-called brother, right? There's a danger, a very significant danger of those who profess the name of Christ and yet don't live it. Um, there's much more danger there to avoid that type of person than it is to avoid the, you know, the person who is, like he said here, he said, I'm, he even said in that passage, chapter 5, I didn't write to you to tell you don't associate with unbelievers. Like, that's not what I meant at all. Totally associate with people who are immoral. Like, that's good. They're, they're lost. But someone who claims the name of Christ and yet wants to live their own life, like, that's the person that we, we need to have a different relationship with. So if that person would say either, one, yes, this is sin, I need to stop, or two, I'm not a believer at all, right. then complete game changer, yes, come, be at church, hear the gospel, but as long as they're wanting to say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ, and no, I'm not going to repent. Yes. That's the... That's the line. That's in the my, line that's going to... Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, if they come to a church service, it's not like we've got armed guards there to, like, drag them out of the building. I mean, if they're coming to the building, hey, that's another opportunity to call them to repentance. You know, if you see them walking in the door, run to them. You know, give them a hug and say, we love you, we miss you. Repent. We hope that you will, you know, turn from your sin and use the gathering of the body to turn them. Yeah, and I'll differ a little bit on that one. And I'm not saying we have armed guards at the door, but I think if, if the issue of church discipline, for example, it depends on what it is too, but if yes. the issue is yeah. divisiveness, yeah, and, and that's the issue they got disciplined for, and they're divisive and they're still coming, like, no, they're not welcome to be here and you need to leave. Like that, because they're, they're coming obstinately now if they've been church disciplined True. and they're still saying I'm going to come anyway like no no you're not so um, so I would say that I think it does matter a little bit on the issue too um, of, you're, you're, you're trying to protect the church too on this. yeah I'm guessing I'm saying like I don't want to create like a big public scene out of it sure. but definitely we want to do it lovingly and graciously as much as we possibly can so I wouldn't welcome them into the assembly to sit but I also would try to graciously or lovingly get them to step out. Yeah, and I've never, you know, in 20, 25 years now, ministry, I've had anybody who's been on church discipline want to come back. Right. I mean, in terms of, in terms of wanting to come, be unrepentant and want to come back. Like, I've never, never seen that. So, I mean, I'm sure that can happen, 
But in my mind, the only time that would happen would be somebody who's super obstinate and divisive, and they want to they want to basically cause a cause, greater issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be the only case I could see where someone would want to come back, and then I'd be like, no, that's not okay. So the second question we got is along the same lines. The first is a little general. The second's more specific. Um, and it's moving into your own home. And so it says, how would you deal with someone under church discipline in your own home? Would you not eat with them per 1 Corinthians 5? Um, how would we how would we wade through some of those waters? Well, I'd say one thing we did in our new constitution here, you know, I guess it's been almost two years ago now, um, is, is that right? Two years? In March, that'll be two years. Be two years. Um, seems like forever ago. Uh, the... Part of that is um, we changed was to make membership be 18 years of age, right? And that's part of that problem, right, is, is right. making sure it would be odd to have a 15-year-old in your house that gets church discipline. You're like, well, uh, what do I do with this I kid? I can't associate. I can't associate. Child um, Protective Services. Yeah, so so we, we moved that up. For, that was one of the reasons we moved that age up. So people yeah. may be wondering, like, why do we say membership's not until 18? Well, this is, this is one of. Uh, there's other issues, but this is definitely one of the big ones of why we moved it up to that age. Um, but in terms of, like, say, a spouse, you know, if you have a, a spouse that, um, I mean, there, there could be examples of uh, a spouse who committed adultery and who refuses to repent of that and yet is still living at the house and the believing, you know, the, 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 the other spouse is still allowing them to live there, which is their freedom to do so. They don't have to, you know, have them leave. Um, how does that person treat that person? That's a good question. <laughs> so, I mean, it's different. Again, I think the point, the application point, is that things have to be the relationship has to be different. We can't just pretend like nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the point of what he says. Don't eat with them. Was that that was a way again to eat with someone was to welcome them into your life. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm. This relationship can't stay the same anymore. Um, you know, so. So I don't know. I haven't. I've never had that personally. I've never involved. Never been involved in something like that personally in terms of someone in their house, um, like that, uh, living with them. But I mean, again, I don't think the the direct application question about like do we not eat food with them is like I don't. I don't think that's the point. What Paul's saying again. I don't think the point is like don't eat any food with them. The point is association relationship has to change in some facet. Uh, we can't again ignore the elephant in the room kind of thing. So I don't know what do you guys think. Yeah, I, I, it's. I think it would also depend upon the situation. Like, what is the issue that church discipline's being raised about, um, and just kind of the person uh, involved. But yeah, I think you're getting at really the heart of it. The relationship has to change. Um, there may need to be um, some form of separation inside of the home, or just a time away from each other. Who knows? Uh, I think it does truly depend upon uh, what the issue is and how, how, what is the person trying to work something out? Or are they, are they becoming more and more volatile through it all? And then, so the obedient person, I, I want to seek to protect them, um, but then also to how can we use this relationship to maybe bring the person back to Christ? So sure. my professor on Doctor of the Church talked about this and just said there's a the family unit is more foundational than the church unit. And the context here, First Corinthians 5, is very much like first, is very much the corporate gathering. So verse 13, 
expel the wicked person from among you. Well, that's not go to the courthouse and remove them from your nuclear family. It's right. remove them from the church. And so that's the context is a corporate gathering, which is the less foundational unit compared to the nuclear family. Sure. And so, yes, that relationship at home does need to change. But it's not saying you can't eat Cheerios with your spouse who's just been church disciplined for being divisive. Right. Um, it's not saying that you can't have a relationship with your spouse. Like there's some things that are just, that's just a more foundational relationship yep. um, unit there. Um, and so, I mean, obviously he, that professor would end up landing differently than us on, on the membership question for the same reason. Because he'd say, oh, that's a, um, you know, so your 16-year-old kid gets church discipline. Well, it doesn't mean you have to kick him out of the home and whatever. Um, but it was a helpful way to think about it. Yeah, I like that. It's good. Yeah. Other thoughts um, on church discipline um, or either of these questions before we wrap up? No. Resources? People want to explore church discipline more. Where should they go? Yeah, the Nine Marks book on church discipline. Just don't be a Nine Marxist. Okay, I'll try my best. <laughs> well, what is what is the book? Church, church discipline. discipline. Oh, no, Jonathan Lehman. Lehman, there we go. It's like an orange book, orange cover, kind of small. Okay. The great thing about that book is like half of the book is just case studies. So it kind of lays out like, hey, here's theoretically how it should work, but the devil's always in the details. And so how do I deal with this situation and this situation and this? Um, that's the best one I know of. Yeah, and I think that's it, the important part about this is that it does take, a, it is a case-by-case -case situation. And it, it, it's not cookie cutter in that way. And um, so I think we need to deal with each case in a very specific way and how certain people relate to the situation depends on how close they were to the person right in that situation and so I think it requires a lot of counsel a lot of wisdom and so if you're in that situation where you have a loved one who's on church discipline or if you um, have a close friend who is I mean the, one of the questions that was asked that we publicly answered was what about a friend who is at another church yeah. they get church discipline from right and that's a difficult part of the culture we live in here in Midwest America is that there's a church on every corner and not all churches are following the same instructions here, right? And so it's hard to find that cooperation um, you know, with other churches to be able to do that. So there's a lot of details that go into it that, you know, let's sit down, let's discuss what that looks like for each individual person. Yep. We also, in our new members classes, we cover this, and so we have a little document if anybody kind of wants to know kind of what we outline wording-wise as the four steps. We also have that documented. So if you'd like that, email Pastor Eddie, eddie at parkside.org, and he will send it to you. Yes, I will. So we do hope this conversation has been helpful for you. You can always reach out to one of the pastors if you have further questions. You have been listening to You Ask.